All right. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, Mr. Wow. Wow. Boy, that's a flashback to 10 years ago. Thank you, Nick. Oh, that's great. Thank you, Jason, for getting me dialed in on the sound. I know I was making you sound technicians work overtime last week. I, and then my wife said, maybe you should move it from the right side to the left side. So I'm trying the left side here to see if, if the sound works out any better. All right, well, as I said, good morning. Happy last day of April to everyone. And uh, I feel like two weeks ago when I last taught, we had some wintry weather. And once again, we've got some wintry weather. So I'm hoping one of these days when I teach, it'll be a beautiful spring day. Uh, that, that's, that's the hope, and uh, we trust that will happen maybe even next week. So, All right, well, let's get started. It's uh, just a hair past 9.30, so welcome back. As you may recall, two weeks ago, we started a new series in Sunday School. We're going to be doing Theology 101, and we've started off with Bibliology. So um, I've got this teacher instinct that every time we get back together, we'll do some review, if that's okay with you. So that means you've got to pay attention to the previous lesson, all right? Okay, so what aspect of bibliology did we look at in our first week of study? Can anybody remember? I know it's tougher with two weeks having gone by now, but uh, what was the aspect of bibliology we focused on in week one? right. Bible is authoritative, and that is because the author is God, uh, the greatest authority in the universe. And we identified some proof passages with that. What are some key I words we discussed related to God's word? Some, some of these theological terms. Anybody remember some of the key I words? And if you want to say them and even define them, that'd be great. All right, Grant says inspiration, good, that was one of them. What else? Immutable, oh, good one. That wasn't on my list, but that, that is a good I word, immutable. Infallible, yes. In, inerrancy, good. All right, I think, we, I think we've covered them all plus some, so well done. What is our key proof text that the Bible is God's word? I, I said one of my goals here is to help us point to Scripture and say, this is why we believe what we believe. Who can identify that key proof text uh, that we cited as the Bible is God's word? 2 Timothy 3.16, that's right. And now maybe the trickiest question that we have for review today what Bible book talks about the process of how the Holy Spirit moved men along in writing the scriptures and referred to another apostle's writings as scripture? Second Peter, that's right, good. All right, well done, we got it through. Uh, first review, going back to lesson one, as we talked about the authority of scripture. So hopefully that wasn't too painful, but an encouragement um, we probably will do a review every time, all right? So be ready. Okay, the second aspect we're going to uh, dive into today 
uh, related to the Bible is that Bible is clear and it brings clarity. Amen? And I think as we look around us today in the world we live in, we are in need of clarity. And thankfully, we've got God's word which provides that to us. First of all, let's talk about clear and its overall message. Now, if I were to ask you all if you understand everything in the Bible, I'm guessing you would say, mm, probably not. I don't know, maybe, maybe there is a complete Bible expert in here who could answer every Bible question we have. Uh, certainly is not me. But we've got an overall clear message in the Bible. In fact, a couple of passages here I want to point to in the book of Psalms. And there's another new word maybe for some of us, perspicuity. That is one of those doctrinal terms uh, that means clarity. So the perspicuity of scriptures, sometimes you'll hear that phrase. But in Psalm 119, 105, a common verse, the Bible says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Later on in Psalm 119 and verse 130, uh, the psalmist says, The unfolding of your words gives light. It imparts understanding to the simple. All right, so here you've got the picture of a light providing guidance to our path. And then we also have this idea in verse 130 that says it's not complicated. All right, I'm one of those simple people. I need things that are simple and those make sense to me. And the Bible is laid out in a way for us to understand that. I'm just curious. I want to see how maybe alike we think or how different we think. If I were to ask you the question, what is the overall message of the Scriptures? Is there one common theme, one overriding message you would say to God's Word? Um, so this is one of those pull the audience opportunities here. So who would like to share, as they think about the Bible as a whole, what is that clear message? Okay. All right. The, the, the two great commandments, right? Grant? God will receive glory. That's, that's good. Wayne? God Okay. All right. Nick? God provides, we fail, and God restores. God provide, we fail, God restores. Okay, good. Anybody else, as you think about the overriding message of Scripture, what, what is the key theme? Is there a key theme? I've liked what we've heard so far. Hello? There's one God. One God. Okay. Key message there, right? Yeah, this is good. Actually, Martin Luther, a uh, great reformer, here's what he said. He said John 3.16 might be a great passage that points to the heart of Scripture. Uh, he says, this verse is the heart of the Bible, the gospel in miniature. And we might recognize that as the most well-known verse around the world. I used to see uh, sports venues, people would hold up these signs, John 3.16, getting that message out. don't see those as much anymore. I don't know what happened. But, um, 
Luther liked that verse, thought that reflected the message of the Bible very well. All right, secondly, not only is it clear in its overall message, but it is clear in that it's commanding its truths to be taught to young people. Um, Hopefully you can look back from when you were a young person to where you are now, and as your brain develops, you've got the ability to learn more, understand more, but the Bible can be taught and should be taught to young people. And where do we get that? Well, let's take a look at Deuteronomy 6. And it says this, Now this is the commandment, the statutes, and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son, by keeping all his statutes and his commandments which I command you all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. Hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And I highlighted the point of this aspect of bibliology that the Bible is clear enough that children can understand the key tenets, the key principles, and the commandments. Now, I know our culture, we're not doing all this stuff here in the second section, uh, talking about binding them as a sign on our hand, be as frontlets between your eyes, writing them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. But you get the idea. This, This is where their focus should be. And I think we as parents are challenged to do just that for our kids. You notice it's not... It's not the responsibility, it's not the key responsibility of the church to instruct our children. For those of us who are parents, it is our primary responsibility to instruct our children what God's word says. And it's clear they've got the ability to understand that, right? Where in the New Testament, this is a good example from the Old Testament, where in the New Testament can you make the connection to somebody who was young, learning and growing and being taught by somebody in his or her family? Timothy, exactly, yeah, Lois and Eunice, uh, mom and grandma. Uh, and that, that was very clear. So uh, another example that if you're a parent, one of your primary responsibilities is to teach God's word diligently to your children. And so may, may we as parents be, be in that business. Thirdly, Scripture is clear in that believers are aided in our understanding thanks to the work of the Holy Spirit. Here's another I word. So this is what, our fourth or fifth I word, right? Illumination. What does illumination mean? It's turning on the light. And I think there was one point in time where, as I thought about this concept of illumination and how we have our eyes opened up, we've got the clarity thanks to the Holy Spirit, I would think, okay, this happens as I read the Bible. If I'm going through it, the Holy Spirit is working in me as a believer to help me understand it. But 
it actually is because the Holy Spirit is already in us, we've got that ability. In other words, here's, here's a person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit, residing in us, and he unifies us with the mind of God, or sometimes it's called the mind of Christ. And so we've got that capability to hear and understand. I found this definition of illumination online, and I really liked it. It says, in sum, we could define illumination as that special activity of the Holy Spirit by which man can recognize that what the Scripture teaches is true and can accept and appropriate its teaching. I don't know about you, but sometimes I look around the world and I, I say, why don't you understand this truth of Scripture? Have you ever had that thought? I mean, it seems so easy to us, and it seems so basic and common sense and truthful. But you look around our society, and they don't get it. And why is that? Right, right. They not only have the Holy Spirit not residing in them, but they also, according to 2 Corinthians 4, the God of this world has blinded them. So it's, it's a double whammy in a sense, right? And we should be very grateful that we've got the illuminating help of the Holy Spirit to help us understand. And, and as this uh, definition explains, it's not just helping us understand, but we identify it as true, and we go forward in that truth. And what happens if we exit the truth, or we fight the truth. If the Holy Spirit resides in you, are you going to feel some resistance? I think so. He is the convictor and the convincer as we uh, encounter sin in our lives. And of course, one of the, the key texts here, if you were to go to 1 Corinthians, even back into chapter 1, and then into chapter 2, you will see just how important the work of the Holy Spirit is in the life of the believer. Uh, but a key text here. Take a look at verses 14 and 16 from 1 Corinthians 2. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. For who has understood the mind of the Lord as so to instruct him? Paul writes rhetorically. But we have the mind of Christ. And we're able to have that mind of Christ, which should bring about unity because we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. So uh, this is another, another great example of how the scriptures are clear thanks to the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit. Next, it is clear, though we do encounter challenging passages, don't we? I, I've got a couple in my mind. We're not going to take time to work through all the challenging passages, but hopefully we can talk a little bit about uh, what, what to do when we encounter some of these challenging passages. Um, actually, from our first week of study, if you recall, sorry for the back, the font got a little smaller there, but Second Peter 3.16, this is Peter writing, and he acknowledges that Paul, in some of his other writings of Scripture, some of those concepts are difficult to understand. Um, ask the audience here. Are there, are there passages, are there books, are there chapters within books you find difficult to understand more so than others? Revelation. And that's, you're right, that's a prophetic book. 
And I think we saw some of that in the Old Testament as well, where there were writings, prophecies, and people were like, we don't know what this stuff is talking about. And I, I feel some of the same with, with Revelation. We, we can't fully explain that. I don't think it's meant to be fully explained at this point. What else? That is a tough concept, isn't it? Uh, man's responsibility and uh, can we say God's sovereignty? Is that, is that trying to justify those two? I, I wrote a paper on that once at Pillsbury. That was fun. Yes, Grant. point. Good point. We'll see that again later. Book of Hebrews I find kind of tough in parts as well. I don't know if any of you identify with that. That's, that's a challenging book. In fact, some people, I don't think anybody can totally know who wrote that book. It's, it's, it's a bit of a mystery. Some think Paul, some think Apollos. There's another name or two out there, but uh, it does seem to be different from Paul's writings, doesn't it? But then Peter here acknowledges Paul's got the brain power to do it, right? Paul, Paul was a scholar. Um, so that's one of the great mysteries for me, the book of Hebrews. So I thought maybe it would be helpful if we just talk about some steps to take as we, as we look at some of these passages that, that are difficult. And, and maybe these are steps you take already, uh, hopefully so. Um, but I found this helpful to kind of go through this and share with you uh, steps that I would recommend, and speaking of what Nick just said, I think the first key is to look at the context. Uh, there's this phrase out there, it's called context is king, and that should be really the driving force behind your, your view of a difficult passage. So look at what was said before that, look at what was said after that, okay? So always keep in mind the context of the, the passage that is bringing you some question. Pray for wisdom and discernment. I think with the help of the Holy Spirit, uh, the Lord will guide you into truth further and further as you progress in your Christian walk. Uh, we see that, that mentioned in the New Testament. There are actually levels of spiritual feeding in the New Testament, right? There, there's talk of uh, milk, right? Milk, and you grow out of that milk and onto a new level of understanding as you grow in the knowledge of the truth. Third, Put time and effort into your study. Um, I like what, what Grudem says here. He says, right understanding requires time, effort, the help of the Holy Spirit, and obedience. Uh, okay, so 
that's, that's a nice little equation there, but sometimes for me, it's not always a, I don't spend hours per se. I, I don't know how you all have gone about your Bible study. My, my devotions have morphed over the years. So uh, when I was a kid, my mom would give me this, I don't know even where she got them from, but it would be a monthly pamphlet, and it had it calculated out to where I could get through the Bible in a year. Has anybody ever used those? It had like three chapters each day on it, and you're just working your way through it. And I will admit, there were some books that I may have sped read a little bit more than others. Uh, so I will confess that to you today. Uh, <laughs> but the, the point was, my mom was serious about us getting into the Word of God. Recently, I've been doing more devotional studies that looks at a passage, breaks it out. And this year what I'm doing is um, I, I'm wanting to get through the New Testament. I'm taking more time to get through the New Testament. And I guess to the point of putting in time and effort in your study, when I come across a difficult passage, I don't just stop and say, ah, maybe someday I'll try to figure that out. Maybe, maybe Pastor will, will mention this in a sermon one of these days. I'm going to actually take steps myself then or at the end of my reading to go and learn and figure out. Remember, we do have access to a lot of resources now in the age we live in, right? So uh, we'll, we'll talk about some of those here in a minute. But that's my goal. I, I really do want to get a better understanding of some of these difficult passages uh, in, in Scripture. Some of your Bibles will have uh, study notes, and they will have references. And so another way to help yourself work through a difficult passage is to look for a parallel or a reference passage, especially if you do have, like I said, a study Bible that's got good notes at the bottom, and it's well-referenced to other Scripture passages. Oftentimes in the New Testament, it will reflect back to truths in the Old Testament, showing again that uh, unity of Scripture and the ultimate author being God. And then, as I just mentioned, utilize your reliable resources. I probably should have emphasized reliable. I, I joked around in the first week that uh, we, we say everything on the Internet is true with a bit of a smirk. Uh, so we've got to be very careful with what resources we go to. But if you have reliable resources, utilize them. Uh, we've got Pastor here. He's, he's well-versed. He's well-studied. Uh, you may want to give him a heads up and say, hey, I've been trying to work my way through Hebrews 6. Uh, can you discuss this with me sometime? And, and uh, so he, I'm, I'm sure he'd be glad to do that. Uh, Bible study software, there's that option out there. I don't know how many of you, any of you have Bible study software that you can go in and put in a passage, maybe have a reference of books. Okay, that does exist. I can give you more info on that if you're interested. Uh, evangelical scholars, and again, it's got to be reliable. Just because they've got the name evangelical, that doesn't mean they're automatically right. You've got to prove them according to the scriptures. Just like the Bereans. The Bereans would hear a message, and they'd go back and they'd search the scriptures to see, is this, is this message adding up? And that's exactly what we ought to do when we hear things. And, uh, of course, websites, which I've already linked a couple of them to you today as I, as I work my way through the study today. Oh. Yes.
Uh, I can. In fact, um, as we get to the end, there is going to be a question that we'll talk about that. So, uh, yes, thank you for pointing that out, and we'll, we'll mention that as we go through the questions, because I do think there are points in our lives where if we're not obeying God's word, uh, there's going to be a difficult ability to connect to his word, and, of course, our life may also be hindered. So, yeah, thank you for pointing that out. So here we go. This is going to be almost perfectly timed with Christine's question. As believers, what could hinder us from, the, uh, from understanding the clarity of the Bible? So let's talk about that. I kind of give away one of the answers here. But. I would say our itchy ears. Oh, itchy ears. Good, good, yep. We've got a lot of churches out there that appeal to those itchy ears, don't we? That's good. What else? What else would hinder us where if we're reading the Bible, things are not, not as clear as they could be to us? Dedication. Dedication, okay. Lack of dedication, maybe lack of seriousness. That's good. What else? Sin. Sin, mm-hmm. There it is, that obedience-sin connection that we were just talking about. Are we following God's word? And if we're not in fellowship, um, you know, there have been points in my life where I've got maybe the wrong attitude, and as I read scripture, there's a conflict there, right? Things are not adding up. That's the work of the Holy Spirit in me. So you fix your attitude, pal. Things are going to be murky for you. So first one that I think Ben mentioned was sin. And as Christine asked the question about obedience, uh, again, I, I see a strong connection to how are we living our lives? Are we obedient to the word of God? And if we're not, we're going to have that internal conflict produced by the Holy Spirit who's going to be prompting us, hopefully pushing us uh, away from that sin that we're involved in, allowing that fellowship to reunite with the Lord. First, first John 1 talks a little bit about that, about walking in the light and the, the fellowship we have, not only with God, but with other believers uh, in that book. Okay. Tickling ears, all right? Trusting more in human reason and wisdom of this world. I think we, we in week one, talked about the Catholic Church a little bit, right? We talked about some of these religious folks who were out to take down the authority of the scripture and they wanted to replace that authority of the scripture with themselves. And that is true also in this case today. You see, back in the Middle Ages, uh, the word of God was not available for most people. So it, it was hard to get your hands on the word of God. The primary church, again, was the Catholic church. I'm not, I'm not here to pick on the Catholic church necessarily. I'm just stating the reality of the situation. So the Dark Ages, from 500 to 1500, uh, the Catholic Church held almost every copy. There weren't a lot of copies of the scriptures. And they could do that to alter it and make themselves the authority. And so for folks trying to read the scriptures, A, they couldn't. They couldn't couldn't have access to it. And so how is it going to make any sense? So they become reliant on whatever the church teaches them. So here's a case where they trust more in human reason and the wisdom of this world, 
because it is easy to get caught up in this world and the affairs of this world and to start basing decisions more on emotion, more on what feels good, those, those tickling, itching ears. And you see some of these churches, I'm thinking of one in particular in Texas with tens of thousands of people in attendance, right? And what a, what a great message that you can have a better life and you will be wealthy and God's going to be all for that. I mean, who doesn't want to hear that message? That's a, that's a fun message, but it's not biblical. Uh, so we've got to be very cautious and, and understand um, that there is a battle out there, a battle for the mind and a separate wisdom, the wisdom of this world. Okay, so as we've thought a little bit through some of these aspects of the perspicuity of, of Scripture today, we'll ask the question, what is more important to understand God's Word, our spiritual condition or our intellectual capabilities? Spiritual condition. So you can have an IQ of 250, if that's even possible, um, and you, you can take a look at the Word of God, and if you're, if you're an unbeliever, it's not going to make any sense to you. That's just, that's just how God has designed his word. But thankfully for us as believers, we do have that spiritual connection thanks to the work of the Holy Spirit helping us to make these concepts clear, plain, and allowing us to follow them faithfully. And there again is that key verse from 1 Corinthians 2.14. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. So you all, I hopefully received a copy of our text that we're working our way through uh, last week. So I'll just ask the question now. What else did you learn if you had a chance to go through this next section uh, on the clarity of Scripture? Any, anybody want to share any testimony or any lessons they learned as they worked their way through it? Again, this is a really nicely condensed study we're, we're doing. And um, I'm going to be teaching, but I don't claim to have everything in there mastered. I'm going to essentially follow the outline of this book. But we're always welcome to share things that the Lord is teaching us as we work our way through this as well. Okay, just a fi- some final reflections from my perspective as we think about this aspect of clarity Uh, in part two of our study on bibliology. First of all, we live in a world where lines that should not be murky are murky. (laughs) And the sad part of this is the world revels in this chaos. And what does Romans 1 say? Should this surprise us if we understand the wisdom of God? He speaks to this. Romans 1 says what? God's going to give people over when they reject him to such a depraved mind that they're not only going to live in these unbelievable sins, but they're going to applaud them. Say, this is great. Are we not seeing that today? It is remarkable how true, accurate, and precise God's word is, though written long ago. Second, I encourage us to do our best to avoid the confusion that is so evident seemingly everywhere around us and fix our eyes and focus on the word of God, which is the lamp into our feet 
and the light unto our path. Can I just stop here? I, some of you were saved later in life. All right, I was saved at a really young age. So this mind of Christ, this mind of God, is really all I've known um, since I was five years old. Um, but I'm curious, can anybody share, if you've been saved later in life, are you able to give us an idea of how your thinking has switched from the wisdom of this world to the wisdom of the word of God and how, as a believer, things make sense for you, whereas before you can remember a time when you'd read scripture and you'd be like, I don't know what this is talking about. I'm just wondering if anybody can share. Flora? Flora? Amen. I think that's how it works. The indwelling power of the Holy Spirit uh, switches around our views of wisdom, right? And, and this starts making sense, and it jives with 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 our beliefs uh, when we are when we are truly saved. Thank you, Flora. Any, anybody else uh, testimony on how your mindset, thinking back to uh, scriptures, were foggy at this point in my life, but then I was saved, and oh yeah. Yeah, I identify Grant. And, and, and as a kid, you, you know, when, when you're a kid, sometimes you have these wild and grandiose ideas. And as my mom's giving me these scripture passages to get through in a year, I'm thinking, okay, I'm seven years old now. I'm going to get through this Bible this year, and then next year I'll, I'll have it all figured out maybe by the time I'm 20. You know, you have these ideas like it's possible, but there's no way. There's no way. Like Grant said, it is a lifetime, lifetime of learning and study and growing and, and 
Why is that? Well, it's because the author is infinite and we're finite, right? So things will become even clearer uh, when we are glorified with him. Thank you. Thank you, Grant and Flora, for sharing that. And as you recall, one of my goals as we go through this theology 101 is that we can glory in our God uh, as we encounter truth. So my hope for us today, as it will be going forward, is that we rejoice in our God who has revealed his word to us in a clear manner that will remain the same as he does yesterday, today, and forever. Have we seen things change in our lifetimes uh, here in this world? Would you say a little bit or drastically? (laughs) It's a whiplash, right? Trying to keep up with what's considered right, what's considered proper, what's considered acceptable, what's unacceptable in this world. And here we have God's word, which remains the same, and it will. And we should thank the Lord for a sturdy and firm foundation. Any final thoughts? Nancy. Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, we, we are commanded to be studying scriptures ourselves. Uh, that's clear in the Old Testament and the New Testament. And the benefit of some of these other folks, and I would again point internally to some of our teachers and our pastor, um, they have taken upon themselves additional training. Uh, and for me, some of the benefit that I wish I had more of the training in would be the languages, so the Hebrew and the Greek. And so when I'm looking for additional help in understanding something, and you know folks who are biblical, and they've got that additional training, they can help, help us understand some of these passages a little bit better. So uh, that, that's how I view it, because the Bible says God will raise up what? Pastors and teachers and evangelists. So there are people who have been raised up to help us in, in the understanding. So yeah, good, good question. It's a question I, I think about from time to time. All right, well, let's close in a word of prayer, and uh, we will see you hopefully next week for some real spring weather, I hope. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time together. We uh, thank you for your word. Lord, it is authoritative as you are the author of it. You are the, the supreme authority in the universe, and we are grateful that you love us and have called us uh, unto yourself. Uh, your, your spirit has has done that, and your spirit helps us now as we take a look at your word and how it's clear. And if it weren't for the work of your Holy Spirit, Lord, it would be a struggle for us. Uh, but we are grateful that he has united our, our spirit with you in that we can understand uh, your word clearly, and we can follow it with joy. And so may we be about that in these days of chaos and confusion. And Lord, help us to... Avoid the temptation to have itching ears, um, wanting to be worldly smart. Uh, But Lord, help us to be simple people that are following your word, just as the childlike faith that Christ mentioned is so important. 
uh, to, to you. So may we be those people. And we thank you again for this time. We pray for the upcoming service that you would be glorified through the singing and through the preaching and for the business meeting that follows. In Jesus' name, amen.